I got one thing to say. This is when the big dogs come out. Stay on the right. Okay? Right. Right. You can't roll with the big dogs. Stay on the board. It's time. Live. Let's rock this place. Let's have some fun. In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance tonight. Diagnosis, prognosis, osmosis. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. The doctor is now in. And a very good Wednesday, middle of the work week, hump day. T.C. Martin with you back in Las Vegas, back in studio today, just fresh off the plane. Well, I shouldn't say fresh off the plane. Fresh off the plane, fresh off of food. Plane, plane food, fridays. here. Here. Yeah, exactly. So I'm pumped up, revved up, fired up, ready to go for a guy that had no breakfast this morning. All right, in the central time zone. Were you were you expecting to have Freddy's? Oh, I planned it. You I planned, planned it. it, yeah. Okay. And again, last week I wasn't sure that I was going to be doing today's show. Yeah. But then I looked at the my itinerary and I go, wait a minute. I get in at noon. I can work this. Now, good thing I didn't have Marco D'Angelo pick me up because then I wouldn't have made it. Then there would have been chaos. We know that, right? Exactly. Oh, I don't have enough time for food and then come back to the show. You don't have time. Even though... He picked me up at 12.35 in that last road trip or whatever it was a few weeks ago and had plenty of time. So I figured, oh, I'm getting it at noon. I, I'm gold, baby. I'm gold, Jerry. I'm good. I can do this. So um, it was one of those things where the hotel I was staying at, it, they cut breakfast off like, you know, early. And what really wasn't fond of the breakfast anyway. So I said, okay, what am I going to do? Bagels, bagels, cereal. Yeah, they actually will cook to order you food, but you know, not you know. I had yeah. it last time I was there, but you know, I said, you know what? I think I'm just gonna wait until I get to the airport and see if I want anything. But it, I didn't make a late night post after the game last night, but I did have a late night burger, crinkle fries. In chocolate shake with my friend with chocolate ice cream. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Found a late night spot. There was an ice cream spot. So I had a good pregame meal, which I'm sure you saw. I saw. That, that was beautiful. Son of a. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Son of a. Um, so I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll probably be able to wait until. After yeah, and and I won't be hungry. I'll I'll go have a milkshake, and then I find out that this place has got, you know, food as well too, and they got combos reasonably pli- priced where I can get a quarter pound burger with the crinkle fries. Oh, and sir, you can you can have your famous Dallas sweet tea, or you can have a a chocolate milkshake. And I said, well, only if I can have a real chocolate milkshake. And then she said to me, well, what do you mean? I go. You will make this with chocolate ice cream. And she goes, it just blew my mind. I was doing the happy dance. She goes, well, of course. I go, of course. I, I go, love it. You don't understand where I come from, where vanilla with the chocolate syrup, and, and that's not a chocolate shake. She looks at me like I got three heads. Like, well, of course, yeah. And it was it was a creamery. It was kind of like a Baskin-Robbins place that serves food. Kind of a, a combination between Dairy Queen and uh, Leatherbees. 
You're okay. Pro- you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Not not as fancy leather bees, but but you have plenty of sit down like leather bees, and you've got uh, you know better than Dairy Queen. You know what I'm saying? Because Dairy Queen has you. food. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I probably although Dairy Queen's food isn't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So let's not let's just you know, let's say it's more towards the leather bee side. If that makes sense, it's kind. Of, is it kind of like a Freddy's style? You know, kind of, like, like Freddy's with ice cream. Well, you go and you order. So that's why it's not leather bees because I don't yeah. know if you remember leather bees. They um, they haven't been around here in a while. But that's where you know they have a, a server that comes to your table and all that kind of stuff, right? So uh, you go up and order. So that's why I kind of use Dairy Queen. How about this? Yeah, Freddy's. That's a good comment. Yeah, Freddy's or a Baskin Robbins. Because you know, Baskin Robbins has the thirty-one flavors and all the different ice cream, so that's what this place had. I don't think they had thirty-one; they might have twelve, but sixteen. It's probably. yeah, it, it sufficed. It yeah. sufficed. So then this morning I get to the airport and I'm going, "Wow, they got some pretty good choices there," and very reasonable, I will say, with the Dallas airport. Um, are you familiar with Moe's? Welcome to Moe's. Is that the Southwest Grill? Yeah. Yo, I love, dude. Yeah, I almost the did case, Moe's. The queso there? But it was, it was 10 in the morning. So, so I really didn't want to do it, uh, you know. And then they have the barbecue joint, and they had, what a burger. And I was so tempted, but I said, nah, I had burgers yesterday. I don't want that. Just and, wait till and, they come here. And I'm I'm waiting for my Freddy's when I, when I land. Exactly. So I didn't want that. So I was on the fence. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So it's like, okay, fine. I'm just going to starve. I'm going to wait till I get back to Vegas and get my lunch. And I, no one probably cares about my story, but I'm telling it anyway. No. <laughs> you realize how many people ask about your damn food question or Inclu- food post, including you, including me. Yeah, exactly. So, so here's here's the the capper of the story. So, uh, the flight was leaving like uh, at 10:50 a.m. Central Time, right? So I'm yeah. going, okay, I'm going, okay, it's 8:50, so it's breakfast here now, Pacific Time. I'm going to land back there, so I'm going to eat like around 12:30 Pacific. That's 2:30. I can hang four hours. I think I can do four hours. I'll just make sure that I'll. Eat my little, you know, nuts and yeah, the, nuts, the, pretzels, the, the, whatever. That mix they yeah. give you, right? Right. So I get sandwiched between two ladies. All right. And you're complaining. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, they were gorgeous by anything, but if you know what I'm saying. But, uh, and the first introduction was, hey, um, lady next to the window. If you hear me snoring, just go ahead and hit me. <laughs> That's my introduction. Like, hey, do you mind if I sit here? Yeah. Okay. Great. You know, a little rough. Both rough around the edges. Anyway, um, I said, so are you okay with like a slap on the arm or gut shot or a facial shot? What, what do you prefer? She goes, Oh, it doesn't matter. She goes, I'd just be so embarrassed. So if I snore, just you have permission to hit me. I said, okay. Then the other one is watching John Wick 4, right? Okay. This is good. So I, I look over and I go, I knew it was John Wick because you know John Wick. Yeah. And she said, and I said, oh, uh, which one is that? You know, I didn't know it was one, two, three, or four, right? And she goes, oh, four. And I go, oh, I never saw that. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I'll turn it off. Oh, my. I'm going, am I that intimidating? I go, no, 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 no. Watch. I was just saying because I was... On the verge of watching John Wick 4. I never went. You know, yeah. it was one of those things, ah, I think I kind of want to watch it. And so that was kind of weird. So anyway, what happens when the server, stewardess, whatever you want to call it, I don't know if I should call them stewardesses or not, right? Yeah. Welcome. And we have a, a, this is her first flight today. So please be patient with her. And then so she's a little nervous about all this stuff, right? So what happens? 
I fall asleep. I fall asleep, and guess what I miss? John Wick 4. What? Oh, you missed your pretzels. I missed my, my drink, your, yeah. my, my OJ that I was going to have. I, I missed it. And they and I go, what happened here? I go, where's my breakfast? And the, t- the two women on each side go, well, you were asleep. We didn't know what to do. You know what I said? You could have hit me. Well, she goes, you didn't give me permission. Oh, jeez. Go ahead. Make your announcement. <laughs> Gentleman sleeping there in six, was that eight B? You're missing your orange juice in your nuts. Really, didn't want to miss my nuts. Got to protect the nuts. I don't know, man. So, yeah. So I was hungry when I landed, and I had plenty of time. There you go. It's good to know. Yeah. And, of course, then they were, you know, like, oh, well, you live here. And I go, yeah. Go, oh, so you know all the good spots to go, because they were visiting. Uh, Kelly Clarkson concert tonight they're going to, and Maroon 5. Couple Not nights. bad shows. Not bad shows. Yeah. So I gave them a couple places to go. Yeah. And so this kind of will tell you. A little bit about it, right? I said, "Hey, uh, they, we'll, we'll give us a couple places." I go, well, "Where are you staying?" And they were staying on the strip. I go, "Okay, I got, I got a couple of good places for you." So, of course, you know, I gave them Blue Ribbon. Oh, and, and, yeah. And then I said, "Now, if you want a little entertainment, you know, with your dinner, I go, you got to go to the Super Frico at the Cosmopolitan." And they look at each other, and go, "Super Frico?" I said, "I can't know what time it is." Then no idea what it was. I go go experience Super Freako. So there you go. So you got a couple wild Dallas ladies. We'll use that term. Watch out, they're gonna be hitting it. All right, all right. So there you go. Hey, uh, before we get into uh, the show today, we got a, a great show that uh, on tap for you today. Uh, Want to thank C uh, Win. Brian Feldman, Jose Volante, Marco D'Angelo, I believe, and, and Nunchuck, and Nick Nice for filling in while I was gone. So I'll be here till like the 21st of the month now. So uh, we got a five game homestand. We'll be here, and then we're going to have a, a lengthy road trip. So, and you know, we're going to have to squeeze in there. We're going to have to squeeze in, Numchuck, as you know. Is it it time to announce this? Is it time? I think we got to announce it. Is it time? The third annual T.C. Martin Show Song Fest, baby, is back. She's It's coming. She's alright. That girl's alright. And this song may be part of it, where we have our special guest, Play DJ. I give you some of my favorite songs. Numchuck as well. And our crew. But it's the highlight, our favorite jams, favorite songs from our regular guests on the show and with the Song Fest. So, yes. Are we going to announce the date yet? I, I think we're married to that date. Uh, I think, yeah, we can do that date. And okay. uh, we usually have done it um, the Friday before Labor Day. All right. But we will be at the Westgate that day. So we'll do it Thursday, August the, the 29th. 20th. Wait, fourth? No, no, thirty first, August thirty first, August thirty first. That's August thirty first. There it is. Put it on the calendar. TC Martin Show Songfest. All right, booked. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, especially for Numchuck. A lot, a of, lot work. of work for both of us. It is. It is. You know, getting it timed up because remember the show is live, not recorded any way, shape, or form. 
And uh, I already know who's we're going to incorporate this year. I think we incorporated her last year, but we're, we're, she wants in. And that is your reigning is that the fanger? coach of the year. Oh, Becky. Yes. Because I thought as you were going to say the fanger. We can get the fanger. But uh, Heidi Fang. But no, yeah, Becky wants it. Because we're always talking music and songs and that sort of thing. So, And of course, okay. you know, when you play this song, when you go to the original sample by MC Hammer, you think of Becky Hammond with her Hammer Time Dance. Can't touch this. Do you think that would be her song selection? I sure as hell hope not. Yeah. Now I think she's going to go deeper than that. And yeah. she will never let your spirits... All right. There you go. So, yeah. Today on the show, Stitch Duran is going to be in the house. Jacob Stitch Duran. He just got back from the Jake Paul-Nate Diaz fight. All right. So, obviously, I didn't get a chance to see that fight. I wish you would have. You saw it, right? I wish you would have. Can I watch it between now and 3 o'clock when he comes? No. All right. Because you got to do a whole show and, you know, like, yeah. you, you'll be into it. And All be- right. Houston Nutt joins us today. Our paths did not cross. And we're going to talk about that. And that's one of the reasons why I want to have him on the show today. So we're going to talk with him about the Pac 12 disappearing act that's happening in college football, college sports right now with the Pac 12 as that story continues to get more and more crazy as days go by. So we'll talk to him about that. And of course, uh, we'll talk to him about Dallas food that I experienced, which, because him and I were supposed to meet up, but he was out of town and he got back today and I was leaving today. So I'm sure that'll be a good 10 minutes. Did you see him at the airport while you were crossing paths? I didn't. You should, you know, I did, I got that, that, that would have been the, the great way to just yeah. kind of. That has happened to me before. I have, I have actually done that with people where, Friends and like, wait, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going, I'm going. Yeah. So we got going on vacation. Leave me alone. Yeah. So all of that uh, uh, coming up and more today on the show. But let's start today on a serious note. The the verdict in with the Henry Ruggs uh, sentencing today. Uh, Henry Ruggs the third sentenced to. Three to ten years in prison for the fatal car crash, the drunk driving uh, incident going back to November 2021 where he killed Tina Tintor and her dog, Max. Today was the sentencing, and three to ten years. Clark County District Court Judge Jennifer Schwartz told Henry Ruggs this morning that it was one of the most tragic cases she has ever seen and been involved with on the bench. Ruggs had been under house arrest with alcohol and location electronic monitoring devices since pleading guilty back in May to one count of driving under the influence resulting in the death and one count of a misdemeanor vehicle manslaughter. Ruggs read a statement today directed at the Tintor family, which he apologized for his actions. It was read like this. To the parents and the family of Miss Tintor, I sincerely apologize for the pain and suffering. Um, didn't go into too much detail with that. Um, we know that Henry Ruggs is a, is a quiet, kind of shy, reserved guy when it comes to 
to, to public speaking, especially in, in this situation. Um, Tina Tinder's cousin, Daniel Straubach, read a statement on behalf of Tintor's mother today, and it read as follows. We pray that this terrible accident inspires positive change in the world. From the bottom of our hearts, we absolutely love and appreciate all members of our church, Raider Nation, the city of Las Vegas community, and every individual who has shown up to remind us that we are not alone and that Tina and Max are not alone. So, sentencing today, again, no trial, no jury, because he did plead guilty. And today was the sentencing, and this case is now over. It is three to ten years he will serve in prison, and he could be eligible for parole after three years. So, ever since we've been talking about this topic, I mean, it is, um, you know, it's it's a serious topic, and. Just about everybody is on one side of this, and that is, of course, the side of Tina Tintor and her family. To have Henry Ruggs only get three to ten years, I'm not sure that is justice. Now, I understand that Henry Ruggs uh, had a great law team, David Chesnoff and, and, and company, and uh, they specialize in a lot of representing celebrities. I'm not here to, you know, disparage those people or, or anybody, but I think a lot of people will be saying the same thing that I'm saying is that seems a little bit light. Um, I have personally known friends of mine, close friends of mine that have had to serve time uh, in prison in different states um, one of those, uh, a close friend of mine who was, uh, was released just not too long ago, but his original sentence was 18 to 24 years and he was not up on a murder charge. Okay. Uh, and the charges were not even really as severe as, you know, killing someone or a, a DUI resulting in crash and death and vehicle manslaughter. Uh, but those are different states. Okay. We know penalties are very tough in New York. They're very tough in Texas. Nevada really don't have much to compare, you know, that to. But for this high profile case with an athlete who decided to drive under the influence and to drive in excess of a hundred miles an hour, even over, you know, close to 150 miles per hour. I, I believe the number was 151 when we first talked about this, right? 156. 156. Yeah. 156 going down Rainbow Boulevard. Okay. That's not a freeway. It's not a highway. It's a residential area for the most part and we know exactly where that area is here on rainbow uh, near spring mountain and we've driven that many many times i almost almost daily 
I'm going by there and remember seeing the flowers after, you know, days after the accident, uh, you know, happened. Three to ten. And to think that Henry Ruggs, after killing a person and a dog, could be on parole and could be out after three years. It is kind of mind-boggling. Now, I don't know if that, how the Tintor family feels about that. Again, we're still getting this news in. This is fresh. This all happened this morning. So the reports just came out before we hit the airwaves here early this afternoon. But there, I would imagine, there are going to be people that are not going to be happy, you know, with this judge's sentence. Three to ten is 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 a wide range here. You would think you would have something, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, like 18 to 24 for something else. Not as severe as this in a different state. But you see there's a six-year gap there. So less of the sentence and you have a wider gap. As early as three and as many as ten. The death of a woman. That's that's the thing, you know. This is not a slap on the wrist. This is this is he killed somebody. And a dog as well, too. And for people to think, well, it's an animal. No, we've talked about this before. No. That's a death too. But killing a woman who was in her early 20s, who burned to death, and talk about the severity of how she died, just terrible. Now, I know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, Henry Ruggs uh, made a mistake. Henry Ruggs is a quiet, soft-spoken guy, and he's cooperated with police. That's that's fine, Danny. And I've heard other people say, well, why do you think he did this? Or how did it happen? And if you listen to his attorneys, his attorneys will say that, you know, hey, this is out of character for him. That he made a mistake. He was drinking, got behind the wheel, had a female passenger, I guess, girlfriend with him, uh, out of control, and boom, made a mistake. Ah, I don't know about using the word mistake there. Uh, How about stupidity? You could use that. But here's the thing. People say, well, it's out of character for Henry Ruggs. And he put that in his sentence as well, uh, in his his statement today when he said as well that uh, this is not who I am. Let me tell you something. You know Henry Ruggs for his play on the field at Alabama. You know his play on the field uh, for the Raiders for the short time that, that he was here. Okay. But here's what people need to focus on. Well, how could Henry Ruggs do this? Because Henry Ruggs is a partier. Henry Ruggs was a partier. Henry Ruggs liked to drink. Henry Ruggs at times was a drunk. The facts state that right there that he was drunk. He was intoxicated. He was driving under the influence. And we're not talking about, oh, my bad. I hit a light pole. I hit, you know, I hit another car. You know, I was going five to 20 to 30 miles over the speed limit. My bad. No, 
You're talking about going over a hundred miles over the speed limit. 111 miles. I believe it is 45 miles per hour is the speed limit. Maybe even 35. But on that stretch of rainbow, okay, it's between 35 and 45. You're going 156. You kill a person and their dog. And you're telling me that you could be out of prison in three years. Now, a lot of people say, well, he's been on house arrest for the last two years. That doesn't count. Okay. That's not part of the sentence. Okay. It's not like you have jail time served. Okay. You pled guilty in May and you've been on house arrest. Much different than being imprisoned from the day that you caused this accident and killed this woman. Three to 10 years seems very, very light with this. And put yourself, if you were in the Tinter family side of things, how do you feel about that? Now, granted, you want someone, you, know, you, you want the person to pay because took, took a young girl's life, hadn't even reached the prime of her life. She's in her early 20s. So just saying, I think that's going to be a big talking point when you hear three to 10 that he could be out on parole. Now, what constitutes getting out of parole? Good behavior, all right? Good behavior, keeping to yourself, getting your, you know, your work release program, uh, obeying everything that you're supposed to do. Remember, let's go back to November 2021. And remember what I just said about him being a partier, him being a drunk. He liked to drink. Remember where he was at that night. Okay. We record, there was two places. He was at Top Golf and then he went over a teammate's house and had more to drink. When he was at Top Golf, all right, he had 20 drinks. 20 drinks. And the bill was $450 minimum. All right. So, by the way, $450, he left an $8 tip. How's that factor in? Let's do the math, Check. I know you're no good at math, but see, 10% would be what? Out of $450, 10% would be what? 45 bucks. 45 bucks, right? Okay, half of 45, okay, would be what? 2250, right? So that would be 5%. He left eight bucks. Don't get me started. In a tipping town, but get here's a guy, Alabama, comes to the Raiders. Yeah, high on life, high on alcohol, high on himself. Yes. So re- remember that. You say, why did why did he do this? Because he's a partier and he's a drunk, and this is what people do. Like, hey man, I'm untouchable. I can drive in a residential slash business area where the speed limit is 35 to 45 miles per hour, and I can go 156. Henry Rugg sentenced today, three to 10 years, could be out eligible for parole after three years. So this case is 
put to bed finally. And you go, why did it take this long? Why did it take two and a half years, almost three years? Think about it. Two years and what? Nine months? For this? It's a long time for that family to have to deal with this and suffer. At least they have some closure now. But uh, it has to be. And again, I can't speak for them. I'm just, again, just kind of speculating here saying they got to feel like three to ten. Why? Because he's an athlete. Mm. So this case uh, now comes to a close. Henry Ruggs, the third sentence to three to ten years in prison for the fatal car car crash that happened on November uh, in November of 2021. All right, we come back. We will uh, talk some football. A lot of craziness happened in the college football world. Uh, the former coach and current CBS uh, college football analyst, Houston Nutt, my man from Dallas, to be specific, McKinney, Texas. He joins us next, and then we got Stitch Duran's going to be in the house at the top of the hour next hour, and we continue on. We'll talk Major League Baseball and a whole lot more. Glad to be back with you here on this Wild Wednesday. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and lucky you, you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Uh, that's gold, baby, gold. <laughs> It's hot in here. Oh, yes. It's hot everywhere. Just coming back from Dallas. We get back here in Las Vegas. But I did notice, you know, like people in the plane going, oh, yeah, we get humidity in Dallas. It's a dry heat in Vegas. And I do notice it. I really never noticed the dry heat versus humidity, especially, you know, hours apart like that. It's beautiful. Who's complaining about the heat? That's what I want to know. Let's just talk about the heat in the kitchen. That's what we need to talk about. Let's talk a little college football. Let's talk about some food with my man in Dallas, my man in McKinney, Texas, the college football coach, and of course, does a fantastic job on the CBS Sports Network, and we know that he's about ready to get back into that in the next coming weeks, but uh, glad he could spend some time with us right now. He's getting in his final vacation my man Houston Nut. What is going on, my brother? What's up? It's got to be you, TC. It has to be you. I know you, I know you love Dallas. I know you love that humidity. Ooh, man. Hey, now I'll tell you what now. Here, we're, we got breaking news here. We're going to go to our, our on-the-spot reporter in McKinney, Texas, and we have a live update, Houston Nut. A live update from a, a fine meteorologist in McKinney, Texas, and he is saying this. In Terrell and in Dallas, your, your heat index is 107. Everyone in McKinney is dead. The temperature, the, the heat index right now in McKinney is 10,000. What is that? 101,105. It's hot in McKinney. There it is, Houston. What do you got to say about that? Here, here, this could be the only man who lives in McKinney that is still alive, and he's with us on the show. <laughs> yeah, hey. We, it's, we got a break today. It's only 103, 108, Woo! 109 last week. So, hey, feeling great, feeling really good. It's almost like a breeze. <laughs> uh, who is that guy? Who is that meteorologist? What are your local TV stations that are saying everyone in McKinney is dead? Who is this clown? Do you recognize him? Uh, I do not recognize him, no. Do oh, jeez. Now, okay, so 
You don't know anything about, you know, that heat in McKinney because you've been somewhere else. I come to Dallas and my man says, so when he's, when he's here a few weeks ago, I got it on the calendar. Yeah. You're coming. I got you on the calendar. I go, I'm coming. I give him a reminder. He goes, Oh my goodness. I'm going to be out of town. He goes, will you, will, will you be here Wednesday? I go, I'll be leaving on Wednesday and he's coming back on Wednesday. So our, we may have seen each other at the airport. Who knows? I have no idea. But you weren't even around McKinney, Texas. So what do you know about this heat? You were probably vacationing well, in, in some cooler spot. Well, you're right. You're right. Went on a little brother's trip to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Woo. And it was a real, real cool. That's real nice weather right there. And I had, had some rain. Had some rain consistently. Uh, but listen, not complaining at all. Beautiful place. But you're exactly right. Uh, but I can promise you, the week before that, 108, 107, 109, <laughs> it was hot. So that was that was really nice. We just got back. Just boy, sorry I missed you. But uh, yeah, uh, hey, it's good to kind of get out a little bit. But it's also good to always get back. You got it. All right, all right. So so you, your brother Dickie it was great meeting him when you guys uh, you know were here um, you know last month in Vegas. That was fantastic. You guys got a little. A little vacation time. That's cool. Now, what were you doing, man? Were you were you fishing? I know you got some good some good food there. I don't know what they have in in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I mean, you gotta gotta hip us to all this. <laughs> now we we play we play golf and we eat good meals. Have you ever had any elk? I have not had elk. I've had I've had buffalo. I've had bison. Yep. But, uh, yeah. I've had venison. I had some deer, but yeah. I've never had. I don't have. I had. Elk? I don't think I've had elk. How is elk? Yeah, yeah, I think you need. I think you need to put that on your menu. You need to try that. Ooh. I think it's it's outstanding, outstanding. And so it's a, uh, it's really nice. I tell you what, saw some bald eagles, some golden eagles sitting out there eating on on that back part of that uh, Snake River. Club, and it's just absolutely gorgeous, and you need to try that. Elk. So, how do you do the elk, man? Do you put it on a smoker? I mean, how do we do? We put uh, it on the grill. What do we do with this? You put you putting that on the grill. Mm-hmm. You grill it up. Now, I'm sure they can smoke it. I'm sure they there's. I'm sure they do a lot of different ways. But hey, I just told them to grill mine up, and it was outstanding and really good. I mean, just tender. It was awesome. Really. All right. So yeah. elk. Now, yeah. what what is the the elk taste like? I mean, as far as can we compare it to a New York a uh, a fillet? I mean, you know, uh, how do, how do you match it up uh, with the last fillet uh-huh. you had here uh, with me? Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. Now, it's a little different, but it is. You know, it's kind of it's related. It's related to that to that 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 fillet mignon ribeye. It's related a little bit, but it's still it's a little different. But it's I tell you, it's just a, it's a good, good little change of pace now. But again, now they, your place, your place was absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> there you go. As you know, my friend, I'm not going to lead you astray when it comes to food time. Oh, that's, 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 a, that's, that's I, I understand that. I, I witnessed that firsthand. I love it. I love it. So. Yeah, and here's the, the, the problem. I'm not going to probably get back to Dallas unless those Dallas Wings make the playoffs. And, you know, we we got to make another trip there. But uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to dining with you, you know, next time. Because you you were talking about a couple places you wanted to take me. Now, obviously, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Hutchins, the barbecue place that we give way too much yeah. love on, on this show. But <laughs> and it's funny because... 
I had some friends in Dallas and I mentioned to them, I said, okay, so, you know, here's where my man says we need to go. And so I gave them Hutchins and they go, Oh, stop right there. Yeah. That place is a monster. They, 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 yeah. they hadn't eaten there. Um, then not eaten, but they, the reviews, they said, no, that place is legit. And then I told them about your yeah. other steakhouse that you told me, they go, well, we haven't, we haven't been to that one. So they took me over okay. to Del Frisco. So I went to Del Frisco two nights ago and yeah. give, give me a comment about Del Frisco. Uh, I love Del Frisco's. Okay. Uh, excellent place. Great salads, great shrimp cocktails and great steaks. I mean, they got a, they got a great mixture. It's awesome. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. But now, I, now what, here, what, what, go, what's that? What did you have? I went with a fillet. I was I was on yeah. the, I was on the the fence whether I was going to go with the the New York or the fillet. But uh, you know, when I go to a steakhouse, I, you know, that gives me a fair comparison. You know, I, I, I love yeah. to, you know, the fillets. But you know, it was it was not as good as my place. I got to tell you that. You know, it wasn't good as a you know couple <laughs> my, my Vegas places. Now now I, I've only yeah. taken you to, to one of my steakhouses here in Vegas. Wait till I take you to the next one. That it's gonna it's uh, even gonna blow that away, my friend. Oh, I can't oh, wait. Hey, that's a high, you set a high mark now. You set a high mark. I so know. I, I understand how that goes. I, I understand what I'm doing here, you know. But we just need you <laughs> to to get use some of your frequent flyer miles and get over here and not I, wait for another year. That's what you got to do. I, I know it. I know what I need to. You know it. But I, I like Dale Fritz. But let me tell you what I, I did yesterday for my pregame meal, uh, Houston. I I went to Papacito's. Oh, okay. And yeah, got me a little Mexican. That was good. It was very, yes. very good. You know, and I've had the Papa Burgers before. I've had the Papa Barbecue. I've had that in Houston. And, uh, first time, you know, the Papa Do's, people say you got to go there, but you know, I'm not that much yeah. for the seafood, the Cajun seafood. So, but I said, Oh yeah, I, you know, I'm down for some, some Mexican. Uh, very impressed. I'm going to send you some pictures of that, but, uh, yeah. have you eaten there? Give me, give me your, your thoughts on that place. You know what? I haven't. I haven't eaten. Oh. Now, a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends have, and they say the same thing that you you just got through saying. They love it. It's right by Jerry's World, right by Jerry's old stadium, right there. So yeah, there you go. All right. So there, there's our there's our Dallas our, our Dallas food uh, uh, quest. There, and Houston Nut gives a thumbs up. So, but uh, there we go. Ne- next time it's on you. And uh, like I said, I got I got to try your places. I, I look, we I can't go with I can't get off this radio because my daughter should get me down. Now, Dickie's daughter works at Albernay's. Oh. That's a great one. She, she's the host, uh, <clears throat> you know, Lexus. That's Dickie's daughter. She's yeah. the host there. Yeah. Then my my daughter's at Written by the Seasons in the Dallas Bishop Arts uh, area. And that's a steak I want you to test, too, when you get back to Dallas. So we we, we got some things we got to hit now. We got, we got a list. <laughs> I love it. That's it. Oh, let's line up those schedules, man, and do it. Because, yeah, I'm dying to, to, uh, uh, because I had heard that, uh, especially the, the Albernese is what you're talking about. It, they said that's a spot. They go that, yeah. that, that's a spot. You know, that'll be, yeah. that'll be better than Del Frisco's. I, I already know that. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm down for that. I agree. Good. All right, my friend. So are you about ready to start making your way back to, to New York City. I was in New York City too. That's right. I went from New York to Dallas. And, uh, I know that you do a lot of work there, of course, with CBS. It's about that time for you to start, start getting ready for college football, right? It's about that time, my man. It's about that time. And what's amazing is all the craziness that's going on right now. It's just, it, it never ends. You think it's, 
slow time, but everything's geared up. There's a lot of things happening out there, and you don't know what's going to happen next. You know, it's kind of, I don't know, I feel like, I don't know how you feel, TC, but I I don't know. You know, there's a, there's a lot of changing that's awfully, it's going very, very fast now. And, you know, some of these rumors and rumors of now with all these teams uh, that are being recruited, seems like by by these conferences that, that they're headed toward these superpowers, I, it's just hard to fathom, you know, when you think about USC, UCLA, and now, you know, you have all, I grew up watching the, these games, and to me, there's a, there's a place for them. There's a place in my mind as an eight, nine, ten-year-old, because you grew up, hey, it's, it's the Pac-12, it's the Big Ten, it's the ACC, it's the, the SEC, Big 12, Big 8, you know, whatever it was. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I don't know where we're going, man. We're, but we're going, and we're going fast. You know, it's honestly, Houston, it's making me sick is what it is. And I was not, you know, one for incorporating Maryland and Rutgers and Nebraska in the Big Ten. I mean, it just, it did, it doesn't make sense. And then that was just, again, the beginning of all this. And then you send Oklahoma and Texas, you know, they get to go to the SEC. And I'm still, I'm still not, un- uh, I was still uncomfortable with, you know, A&M going over there years ago. You know, just like, yeah. what are we doing? You know, Missouri going, I mean, what, what are we talking about here? And, but now when you go with USC, UCLA to the Big Ten and, yeah. you know, talking about these type of road trips, what now, we're hearing Cal, Stanford to the ACC every day. It's changing. I mean, really, what we're talking about here is the uh, basically um, dissolving the Pac-12. I mean, really, aren't you know aren't we talking about that now? If you're going to try to supplant that, like, okay, what now? We're going to take a couple teams uh, from like San Diego State or Wyoming to go to the Pac-12 from the Mountain West. Then what happens to the Mountain West? And they start grabbing teams out of the whack. I mean, it is so out of whack. It it, it drives me nuts. And remember, back in the day, it would take like an act of Congress to make these things happen, and now they're happening by a snap of a finger. It blows my mind. I feel the way, same way you do. It looks like I, I, I just can't go. And, and to think, we're going to talk about California and Stanford. They're going to fly across the country to ACC. We're, we're going to, we're going to actually fly these schools, these, these guys. And we talk about, I thought we, I thought we were pretty quick. Everybody's pretty quick to talk about the well being of the student athlete. Now, you can't tell me that's going to be a lack of sleep somewhere in there. Uh, this travel is not easy. I go from Dallas to New York, and I know I'm 65 years of age, but I'm still. Uh, that, that's a grind. And, and so now you take a young person, hey, look, we're going to fly Stanford. you got to play Miami. But guess what now? When we fly back Saturday night, we get in about 4 a.m. We expect you to be in that class at 7.30 a.m. now on Monday. And um, heaven forbid if there's a Thursday night game. I mean, I, I just, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know where we're going. It just, it, to me, it doesn't make sense whatsoever. And um, it looks like to me, stay tuned. Looks like everybody's still recruiting. And here's the thing, though. It, it, you know, you, we mentioned the the travel with that, and that's insane. You, the Big Ten, okay, all right, you got USC, UCLA. Hey, well, they'll get a relatively short trip comparison to, you know, going to some of these other schools back east. If you go, hey, we're going to Nebraska, we're going to Iowa. I mean, it's still a trek, but what about USC, UCLA to Rutgers or to Maryland? And what about these uh, other sports that nobody's talking about? We're all... 
you know, consumed with football and then basketball to a, uh, to a certain degree. But what about, you know, the lacrosse teams or the softball teams or the volleyball yeah. teams or the swimming teams and this and that? I mean, there's no funding, you know, really. Are we, are we going to, how are these sports supposed to survive? I understand it's supposed to be a trickle down theory, you know, from the money that, that you're getting for football and this and that. But the travel and missing the classes for all sports. But let's talk about some of these smaller sports that don't get any attendance whatsoever and really don't have any budgeting to go with it. And now you're talking about these kids really missing all kinds of class. No question about it. That's what it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, When you think about all the the classes going to be missed, the travel and you know, I, one of the things I was going to ask you, you know, Stanford has always had a great name. You know, that surprises me. Stanford, when you think about Stanford, there's a lot of mothers and fathers and athletes. Well, hey, my son got an offer from Stanford. It's such a big deal. How in the world are they not involved in something, you know, with the, the USC, UCLA's of the world? But I guess I know their football's been down the last four or five years. But like you said, now you're going back to the other sports. How about the women's basketball team? How about... You know, they're always up there. Right. Uh, golf. Golf. They're always up there. Baseball. So Very I, good in baseball. Baseball. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So now it's just like, mm, I guess it shows everybody, hey, look, football is the deal. And I guess Stanford hadn't been playing well enough. They're not on the, the high selective list right now. They're not they're not with the USC's and UCLA. So I just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I don't get it, man. No, it it really doesn't make any any sense at all. And then how quickly this can you know turn again? I just don't know what you know. The Pac-12, you know, going back to the Pac-10 before the Pac-8 before that, we all remember that. And again, there, the, this was a very, very good conference. I mean, every year. And now you're talking about relegating this thing. And I guess it goes all back to Larry Scott, who was the commissioner at the time and negotiated this horrible TV deal with their own network. And of course, you know, when you don't have the outlet, you know, for television, this is what's going to hurt you and you can't compete with the big boys. But, you know, yeah, I mean, football has been down. I mean, you know, Oregon has been good, USC, but we, we know how this thing goes, man. This is cyclical. Right. I mean, it, it, can, right. it, it can turn around. It can turn around, but now it's just like, oh, if you're not good for, you know, three or four years, like you said with Stanford, it's like, oh, boom, now we're, we're just going to punt on these guys. But, I mean, what? what? It's not going to get any easier. You're going to the ACC facing Clemson and Miami and, and, and teams of that nature. Heck, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, you know, from a, a college standpoint, from a campus standpoint, okay, they're comparable to a Wake Forest or maybe a Duke or yeah. something like that. But, you know, you, I don't know, man. It, it's, it's, I, I don't know what the answer is, but it just seems like there are no rules anymore. There is no yeah. regions anymore. Uh, there are no rivalries and nobody cares. That's it. Nobody cares. I mean, the whole idea in the very beginning, right, was okay. Proximity, creating rivalries, less travel, concentrate on, on your right. academics and, 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 and building these rivalries. All everything I just mentioned is out the door right now. Out the door, right? Out the door, out the door. And that's not even to say, you know, I had the privilege to coach at Murray State. You know, I hate to think about the little teams like that that are just—they're way down the bottom now. And uh, you know, they depend on these bigger schools to keep their budget going. 
And I'm just curious, you know, the Mountain West, which I did a lot of CBS, we watched a lot of Mountain West games and really good football, you know. And I wonder uh, how all this is going to affect that, that kind of conference. And uh, do they start trying to go recruit, you know, some of these teams or, I, you know, I, I just don't know. Big, Big 12 to me, uh, when they lost Oklahoma and Texas, that's two brand names. Boy, it, it's almost like, okay, that, this is how this thing's going to work. You know, to me, boy, they they could have gone and just started recruiting the USC, UCLA's. Go go start getting Arizona, Arizona State, because Arizona basketball, I mean, you got to look at everything. And so, to me, this is why this is all about, as you know, TC, it's got to be all now. It's not so much about the well-being of the student. It's more about, uh, it's all about the money. A hundred percent, all about the money. The Mountain West uh, sent out a statement, and it reads like this. Monday night, the Mountain West Board of Directors, comprised of our 12 presidents, met to reaffirm our collective commitment to the conference and its future with the recent changes in membership composition in several conferences. The Mountain West is exploring all opportunities to strengthen the league, including through the addition of new member schools, board of directors, chair presidents, Garrett Stokes of the University of New Mexico and Commissioner Gloria Navarez will be the voice of the conference and will lead the ongoing explorations of the possibilities before presenting any to the board. We are strong in who we are and proud of the exceptional experience we provide the student athletes of the Mountain West Conference. I mean, everybody's, everyone's gonna, gonna put a statement out li- like that. I mean, what does the Pac 12 statement say? That's what I want to read, Houston. What does that say? Hey, yeah, we're, we're losing, you know, not only our two powerhouse teams, but, uh, yeah. our, our schools, uh, fine institutions, but now we're talking about Oregon going away, Oregon State going away, Arizona, uh, Colorado, Utah, Stanford. What's left? Seriously, what is going to be left of this? To me, the story is the Pac-12 is dissolving in front of our eyes. Right in front of your eyes. Right in front of your eyes. Just, I, I don't know. There's, there's, you're losing teams. I'm also curious now, TC, about the one team, as we all know, that, that has that brand name that always has their own package, TV package. Yeah, is Notre Dame. yeah. Now, Notre team. Of course, playing in the ACC, you'd think ACC, they would be recruiting. They'd be on that phone up probably on the hour. Come on, Notre Dame. Come on, Notre Dame. But that's the next one to me that uh, whether Big Ten, SEC, somebody, you know, they're, <laughs> that phone's ringing off the hook with the, how the crazy times that we have now to try to get that name. Yeah, but what's really weird about that, Houston, I mean, Notre Dame is, they've gotten that invitation from the Big Ten a long time ago. And, um, I think even the Big 12, you know, talked to them a little bit. And like you said, the ACC, they went there, you know, for basketball and then they tried to play an ACC schedule, what, for two years, you know, on the football side, but they've said no. I mean, like BYU is another one. I mean, BYU left the Mount West Conference and they go, nah, we're fine with being an independent. Those two schools. Yeah. I, I can can Notre Dame really make more money, uh, you know, independently with that kind of soft schedule, so to speak, instead of joining the Big Ten? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I, I do, but don't you think though? Now, today, this time now, don't you think it's a little bit different than than the offer they had just a few years previous? I think this is a whole different time uh, zone right now with what's happening. 
you know, they got to be having a little bit different conversation instead of saying, I think we're just going to stay independent. Uh, yeah. I don't know where this thing's headed because it looks like they just want to top 32 two teams and kind of have these superpowers. So I think there's a, it's got to be a little bit harder discussion because it's, to me, it's a different conversation than it was two or three, four years ago. No, I agree with you. I, th- I think you're, you're, you're right about that. But see, that's one that w- I think everyone would sign off for. It's like Notre Dame and the Big Ten, proximity, uh, na- uh, natural rivalries makes all the sense in the world. Hey, I was, I said last week, I said, Colorado, good for you. Go back, go to the, to the Big 12. That's where you belong. You should have never went to that. So there are a couple of these things that make a lot of sense. But again, that's the minority. I mean, most of this stuff doesn't make any sense. Exactly right. (laughs) All right, brother. I appreciate the time as always, my friend. And uh, glad that you made it back. Uh, you got a little R&R in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So, uh, that's good. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking to you a lot, hopefully, as uh, the college football season approaches, my friend. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the time, as always, and looking forward to catching up with you in person again real soon, whether it's on my turf or your turf or neutral turf. <laughs> neutral turf. That's How's right. that? You know? That sounds good. That sounds good. All, All right. right. All right, brother. Be good. We'll talk to you soon. See you, man. There it is. Houston Nut, one of the best. Yeah. Hey. You know, get you, you don't have to be old to say, hey, man, you know, this isn't right. I remember the way it was back in the day. <laughs> this is the problem. I mean, there's just way too much change, and a lot of it doesn't make sense. Because you figure these conferences can still, you know, make money. These schools can make money in their existing situations. And uh, again, just just ask Colorado and ask Utah. Does, does, does it get any better? You know, when you go, especially for Colorado, when you try to go to join the big boys and try to go for the, the major money and the like they did a few years ago, nah, we're going to go back. We're going to go back to the Big 12. That's going to be a super conference now. We're on our way to five super conferences of probably 15 to 20 teams. That's what you're looking at. Crazy. All right. We come back. We'll talk some baseball. We'll talk some more football, the NFL side. We got Raiders. We got Washington Commanders news. And Stitch Duran going to join us. Talk a little boxing and more right here on this Wild Wednesday. Let me be the one you come running to. Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder of Give a damn about nothing. That's true. He says, ah, come at you. Ah. 
It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Fighting out of the blue corner. T.C. Martin. As he hit it with that punch, I think his eyes went into separate orbits there. The doctor is now in. Let's get it on. How you like me now? talk a little boxing well we'll talk semi-boxing we'll talk about the jake paul nate diaz bout from last weekend and my man stitch duran longtime friend of nate diaz he was in the corner stitch will be joining us this hour so hang tight for that plus we'll talk a little major league baseball nfl training camp yep winding down in the exhibition season Starting here this weekend, Raiders and the Niners on Sunday here at Allegiant Stadium. Looking forward to that first uh, glance to see Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, the 2023 version of the Raiders on Sunday. And we've got a pretty cool doubleheader here on Sunday. Got the Raiders at 1 o'clock and then at 6 p.m., the Aces back at the house in action. And uh, they'll be playing on Sunday against the Atlanta Dream Tough stretch here for the Aces. They're in the middle right now, but just coming back home after splitting the road trip, losing to the New York Liberty on Sunday, but coming back and bouncing back in emphatic fashion last night in Dallas. Aces scored the first 16 points of that game and rolled the victory 104 to 84 over Dallas. And the final score, not even indicative of the blowout that that game was last night. Yes, they were ready to play, came back uh, with a vengeance. And aces off a loss, tremendous. Asia Wilson, as we mentioned yesterday, just uh, coming off a you know subpar performance, only nine points against the Liberty. Uh, it was her birthday yesterday, 20-plus for Asia, double-double. Great, uh, great performance by her and the rest of the Las Vegas Aces now improving their record to 25-3. and three. But now we start a five-game homestand with the Aces, on Friday night against the Washington Mystics on Friday. Sunday, you've got the Atlanta Dream. And then Tuesday, the Commissioner's Cup Final with the uh, New York Liberty. That one is the real deal. That's for all the money right there. You're talking about thirty grand a piece for each player. And then the Liberty uh, will stay over here for the regularly scheduled regular season game on Thursday. And then, uh, yeah, then uh, the LA Sparks come to town. Um, it's Saturday after that. So you got a five game homestand. And yeah, that's why the commissioner's cup game was sandwiched there August the 15th. Uh, and we're looking forward to that. Ace is trying to go back to back commissioner's cups after winning in Chicago last year. So question for you that, yeah. that 32, that $30,000 mm-hmm. a piece. Does that go for like this, uh, emergency people too? Like what? Well, I can't. I, I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank on her so name. So you're talking about like Elena like, Coates, who uh, yeah, yeah, in that, that sort of thing. No, those are for the contracted players. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the seven day contracts. No, those are those are your your fully vested, you know, players that yeah. are, are been on the roster from the beginning. So there you go. But Candace Parker will get a piece of that. They win. There you go. So yeah, uh, in the midst of a five game homestand. So we got that. Uh, so great time there in Dallas, uh, last night. All right. Let's go to the phones. Go to the phones and talk to Big Al. What's checking in, brother? Hey, Doc. How you doing, kiddo? Welcome home. I'm good, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, you know, you know, you, you know, you just gotta, I was just listening before, right before I checked in and you were talking to Houston Nutt about all these 
different conferences just like obliterating each other. Isn't isn't air travel screwed up enough already? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, oh, it, it's insane. It's man. a mess. Yeah, I mean, this I so- mean, I know and a lot of these a lot of these big teams have their own planes and everything, but you can't even. I, I mean, I sat I sat on the tarmac because we didn't have a crew. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, I mean, the airline industry is an absolute mess right now, and that that well, that's something completely different. That's that's politics. So this is sports. So let's talk sports. Well, hey, but before before we leave that, let me just say this, and, and I brought this up to Houston. We're talking about the smaller sports. Okay, remember those smaller sports like softball or lacrosse, volleyball, you know, fencing, whatever it is. Right? They fly commercial. So to your point. Yeah, let's get on a plane and go from, you know, L.A. to, you know, BWI, you know, to Baltimore, Washington yeah, well, International. Good luck on that. Oh, and especially if we're well, dealing the in, in the in the wintertime or early spring. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So they fly commercial. There's going to be plenty of nightmares, and I guarantee you, Al, there's going to be game cancellations or game postponements. I'm also going to make a demand on the air that, that – that these conferences that are adding people or losing teams, they got to change their names. The Big Ten is not a Big 18. Yeah, right. You know, it's not the Big... And, and, and isn't it ironic that the Atlantic Coast Conference will have two Pacific Coast teams? Yes. Yes. It's, it's, it's pathetic. It's, it's just, it just stinks. What, I mean, what, like, you, like you mentioned with Houston, what happened, what happened to the rivalries? I mean... And then you then you know then you touched on Notre Dame, which is a sore subject, but mine. But they're gonna. I, I, to my opinion, is they stay independent until the NBC money runs out. Right, right, right. And you when know, it comes time I mean, for renegotiation. Maybe, maybe they say, okay, yeah, we'll listen now. Think about this, T. Think about this for a second. The greatest football game in the history of college football was in the Big Eight. <laughs> Correct. You can you could say I, that you can, I, or, or you could say the Southwest Conference if you want to talk Texas Arkansas back in the day. No, no, no. I'm talking 1971, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Nebraska right? Yeah. Micro, um, uh, uh, Jack, Johnny Rogers. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was the greatest game in the history of college football. But what most people say, it's just goofy. Mm. All right. T. You, you, yes. T. You're on. You're, the Aces are put. They, they played great last night. I got to give them a lot of credit for bounce back. I'm sure Becky, you were was using both feet, and everybody's behind. I, I'm, I'm sure the plane ride was from plane ride from New York to Dallas was not uh, was not uh, delightful to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yes, very true. But very true. You're forgetting. You guys are missing something. Numchuck, I can't believe you haven't mentioned anything yet. <laughs> Our Cubbies are a game on the first. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> this is true. The Cubbies are playing great. Al, can I get some credit for this? I mean, since I made the trip to Wrigley, going back a little more than a week ago, Cubbies are on fire. Boz took care of you, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Hey, and it was beautiful to see them sweep the dead birds, as you like to call them. That was beautiful. Well, yeah. Beautiful. Of course. I mean, right. If of you think course. about that's it, it was always a good thing. But then, but then Cincinnati came into town, won the first game, comes win the last three. Yeah. They scored like, they scored like 20 runs a game. Yeah. Incredible. Go Cubs, go. There we go. All right. Here's Big Al's theme song. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. Go Cubs. <laughs>
right, we lost you. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, no, no. Go, go. That, that's new stuff. That, that song's for the yuppies. <laughs> that's, those, for the, those are for the wannabes that all got on the bandwagon in, in 14, 15, and 16. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's no. true. That's true. I like it. No, no. That's like, you were, they true, weren't playing you know, that song in 1984, were they? No, no. We weren't singing that song in 1969 either. Well, we, uh, yeah, we were singing a Black Cat song. That's what you're doing. Well, <laughs> 1969, we were singing, we were singing Jay and the Americans. <laughs> All right, brother. Yes. So the Cubs are playing some good ball. There's no question. Uh, without being the homer that you are, is this a playoff team? You know. When I was in Vegas and I was out there, you know, a couple months ago, I got me a little forty-five to one to win the National League, Ooh. and I got me a little, I got me a little eight to one and ten to one to win the division. That's pretty nice, Tough right set. there. That I like that. Tough set. I like that. Tough set. Get in, get in the, get in the party, <laughs> get in the party, and you never know. <laughs> I mean, the the Reds have, have fallen back a little bit. They're a game and a half out. Like you mentioned, the Cubbies a game and a half out, and, and the Brewers. And we are totally used to the Brewers, um, you know, falling apart in the months of August and September. I mean, that's what we've seen with them. It could happen well, again, but uh, yeah, that that division is, is somewhat dreadful. But I'm partial well, to it. Second worst. It's the second worst division in baseball. It is behind the, behind the American League Central. Mm-hmm. That's and true. it's it, it, the American League Central is is by far the most pathetic division in baseball. I'm sure there's a plenty of Triple A teams that could win that division, but uh, you know, hey, why not? Right? No, really. I mean, why not? And you know, people are going, well, the Cubs basically have the same roster that they've had all season long. Why are they now contending? Because they're hitting. They're beating the cover off the ball. Yes. Timely hitting. Timely hitting and, and honestly, they're getting some pretty good pitching right now, too. The two free agents that they signed, Bellinger has been a stud since the All-Star break. And of all the shortstops that were out there last year, Dansby Swanson is head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah. Trey, 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 Trey. Trey Turner's having a great year, ain't he? <laughs> for, for $300 million, Doc. That's right. I know. Like I said, just you know, using that team as your personal ATM machine. Yeah, Trey's got to be happy going home every night. He's happy, oh, sure he he's happy he's, uh, checking his bank account on the first. Yeah, and checking his bank account on the 1st and 15th every month. Uh, oh, for sure. For sure, geez. for sure. I know. And you, know and, you, and you don't have to worry about... You know, I don't. I know you got a chance to go to go see uh, to go see the Strohs play in New York City. You know, I don't think you got to worry too much about that, do you? No, no, no. As a matter of fact, I mean, uh, before that series started, uh, when they got Verlander, you just saw you know, the trade deadline. It was like, wow, okay. I mean, it is so unusual to get a guy back. A guy that really didn't want to leave, and then you get him back, you know, basically in the same year. That is unheard of, and that is going to give this team, and already has given this team a jolt. And just the the way that they're playing right now, they're so loose. 
And now they're getting, you know, their players back. The only guy that's not back is, is Michael Brantley. And once they get him back, I mean, look out. But no, this is, this is, uh, the mojo time for them. And, you well, know, they split with the Yankees. They go to Baltimore. They go to the White House on Sunday. So that was, that was really nice for them. And, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Monday, they go to the White House and then they start the series with Baltimore yesterday. They fall behind five, nothing. And then next thing you know, boom, here they come. And again, it's experience. Uh, they've been there before. And when you have, you know, timely hitting, like we talk about, you got clutch performers and Kyle Tucker with the grand slam last night. Uh, Numbchuck, if you got that audio, I want to hear that bad boy, uh, against the O's. Wow. Yeah. So experience, Big Al. Experience means a lot when we come, you know, to August and September and October. Well, let me ask you, well, let me ask you one question and not, not following the Strohs like you do, of course. How many games head up do they have with Texas left? Any? Three. Because I noticed, I noticed schedule is just a, just a, it's just a joke. Yeah. It used to be you played everybody in your division in September. Right. Cup. Games meant something, but nowadays it's it's not like that. So no, and a matter of fact, they got the the huge series, you know, coming up uh, this weekend. Um, you know, well, no, I actually take that back. This weekend, uh, the Angels are coming to town, but yeah, no, they got three more uh, against Texas. Looking forward. Well, to that. just just wipe them out. Yeah. Yeah, wipe yeah. them out. And, and again, Texas will give them credit. I mean, they are playing some some good baseball right now. And the, you know, again, you pick up Shearzer, beautiful move. But this thing was laid in the foundation, you know, last offseason when they picked up Marcus Simeon, you know, and and Seager and, and those type of guys. So I'll give Texas some credit. But again, has the have you been there as an organization? Have you been there as a team? You know, playing meaningful games in September? No, haven't got to the postseason. And again, the Astros, you know, basically with pretty much the same team they had last year. Now with Verlander back, it is really the same team. I said it a long time ago. They are going to catch fire at some point in time. And I think when they catch Texas, then they will put Texas in the rearview mirror. And I think both teams will make well, the they're playoffs. Both gonna, they're yeah. both going to get in, right? It's not, they it's both not, get not in. Be a problem, right? Yeah, they'll both get yeah. in. Yeah. But, so uh, that, that, but winning that's, that division that's is what key. It's all about. Winning that division is key that's because what it's all about. Because right now you look at Baltimore, you can't argue with Baltimore. Baltimore is, you know, 20 plus games over 500. They're having a fantastic season. But, you know, right now the Astros trail Baltimore like four and a half games. You know, so these are important games for the Astros right now because you don't want to be a wild card. You want to be a division winner. So at least, you know, again, you, you have that home field advantage in some of these key series, especially early on. True, true, true. Yeah. Hey, don't forget, don't forget when Houston, when Houston Nut comes to town, you got to take him to our favorite Tex Mex place. Yeah. You know, again, uh, he was here last month. I mean, he was here like right before you, you were here and he doesn't get here uh, as often as you do. But, uh, no, I, 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 he was just raving about, you know, the, the, the spots, uh, I was taking him. So, yeah. Well, well give, I know, we'll I little... know the place, I know the place, I know the places you take me to and they're, they're all primo. So, yep. you know, without, without having to ring the, without having to ring the bell, we know, we know what we're talking about. Exactly, my friend. I appreciate it. All right. And I appreciate you, uh, always listening to Big Al from afar. Big Al from Curacao. And, uh, of course, uh, listen to the Aces game as well, too. A huge Aces fan, Big Al Lorenz. I love it. Huge Aces fan. I love it. All right, brother. I appreciate it, man. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. And, uh, of course, uh, listen to the Aces game as well, too. All right. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, aces with a five-game homestand. I love the sound of that. All right, get get home, get relaxed, win in the home court. Oh, by the way, this team is thirteen and zero on the home floor, the Michelob Ultra Arena inside the Mandalay Bay. You like that? The Astros, the Orioles. Yes, huge series this weekend. Astros were down five nothing last night. Uh, came back down six two. Then it was six three, and the uh the Orioles were two outs away from putting a W in uh another W on the on the Astros last night and extending this lead to over five and a half games. But Kyle Tucker came to the dish with the bases loaded in the top of the ninth. Right field sends back McKenna, and it's gone. It's a grand slam by Kyle Tucker. And the Astros have got a 7-6 lead. 7-6 lead, and uh, Ryan Presley holds him down in the bottom of the ninth, and uh, there it was. So who do you think of our astute handicappers had the wrong side of that game? Marco D'Angelo. <laughs> who do you think had to hear about it this morning? Marco D'Angelo. No, no, no. Oh, no. I had to hear about oh, it. Of course you did. Because he's yelling at, at me via text this morning. Let me, let me go back to the text. Because how many times has this happened, you know, with him? So I get this text this morning. Where is it at here? And I got to go back because he's, you should see this. This is ridiculous. Two of the sickest beats I've had this baseball season have come at the hands of your Astros, he says to me. With, of course, the red-hot face delivered. My response? When are you going to learn? Don't bet against the champs. You can pick on any of these garbage teams you want. But why are you picking against the champs? Now, I will say this with Marco. Of course, I'm getting, getting into the business. He goes, my analysis was spot on. Yes, it was. You know, Baltimore last night was good. Baltimore continues to play great baseball, under undervalued in the marketplace. You get them as an underdog against a team, this is Marco talking, that I feel is two major negative spots. First, you get off Houston fresh off, winning three of four in New York. All right, Actually, they didn't. They won two out of four. They were split. Regardless of the record, beating the Yankees always a big deal. So far, Houston will, co- uh, will come up flat. This is before the game. Uh, would not be a surprise. Houston sends Framber Valdez to the mound. Valdez coming off a throwing a no-hitter in his last start. There's no way he matches the intensity of the, his last performance. So not only do we have a team in a bad scheduling spot, we also have the starting pitcher in a negative spot as well. And now let's look at Baltimore. Even though they have the best record and they don't get the buzz that they should because this team isn't made up of superstars, but what we do have is a team that wants to make a statement, and the statement is that they are for real. No better way of doing that than being the defending champs. All right. That's all fine and dandy. But the bottom line is this. When you have an experienced team and you have studs up and down the lineup because they're healthy now, and a bullpen, I know Marco's saying the Baltimore's got a pretty good bullpen. Granted, okay, I I get that. And they look good. Their numbers look good. But they haven't been in these situations. These are not your 
standard closers that they have or their standard setup guys. They've been doing it for years and years and years. These are young players that have gotten a nice run, all right, and they've beaten up a really bad and injured New York Yankees team, other teams in the division, all right, the Tampa Bay Rays, okay, fallen on hard times, you know, ever since the month of May, okay, again, a team void of superstars, and the Toronto Blue Jays, a team in flux because they really don't have great pitching. So, yeah, you could say the American League East is, is great, but you're facing the Astros, who are healthy now. They've got Mojo going, and they want to win every game until they catch the Rangers. They're out to win every game, so you're not going to see players resting very much right now, and you haven't seen that over the last week or so. So... When you look at the lineups, the Astros lineup is better than the Orioles, plain and simple. I love the Orioles. I love the story. But they are a story because they were not expected to do this. They were an underdog. That's why you could have got them at 100 plus to one this year. Okay? They have overachieved. Can they continue it? Depends on who they play. All right, more games against the Yankees and these other teams, bottom feeders. Yeah, they'll have enough. They're going to get in the playoffs. But now you got to look at head to heads against teams like, you know, the Astros and even the Rangers, who have really played just as well as the Orioles have, but they got a little bit more experience. The Astros, no one has more experience than the Houston Astros in any league. You know, I mean, when you've done it for six straight years, you know, experience plays a big part in this. So that's why. I caution betting on, on Baltimore, especially yesterday's pitcher with Baltimore. Yeah, he's an up and comer. I know Marco's been on this guy before, but this guy is has blown up, you know, a lot. But I'm not going to say that wasn't a wise bet because I agree. I did agree that Framber Valdez was not going to be lights out because he's coming off a no hitter. Yeah, I I totally agree with that, and that's why I didn't bet. Well, I couldn't bet the game because you know I was in another state, couldn't do it. But um, but you just get into the later innings, and if you're close... Now, granted, last night, the Astros had an amazing comeback, you know, and they got a lot of luck last night. But give Kyle Tucker credit and give those guys that got on base before him a lot of credit as well, too. So I'm just saying, you know, I'd rather put my money going against, you know, teams that um, are don't have a history of getting it done at this stage of the year. That's all I'm saying. Is Be this, careful if you're going to bet against the Astros. Is this Baltimore controversy with the announcer going to affect them? Because there were chants last night. I don't know. I, I know you probably didn't get a chance to actually watch the game. No, I didn't. They were. I didn't. Yeah. So you can hear it. Let's see if. I, now that's a story in itself. You're yeah. Right, which broke the last couple of days. Home run. Made it look Free easy. Kevin Brown. Good Free Kevin Brown. Yeah. Free Kevin Brown. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's one of the best defensive plays in the game of baseball. And these announcers are not even acknowledging it. No, but you're happy. Player. Yes. <laughs> hey, y'all always got to make you guys happy. Yeah. So, no, answer your question, yes. Even though it's an announcer. Will it and, last? And uh, it depends. It, it, it depends if they start losing games. Then they'll look for any excuse to say, "Oh, well, well, that that's the case." Okay, um, yeah, you got to be careful. You know, if if you're a fan base like that as well too, because the players don't want to hear that. They they hey, the champs are in town. 
We're trying to knock off the champs. We're trying exactly. to make a statement here. And that is stuff that is, you know, we don't want to answer those questions. And they're not going to answer those questions, you know, in the clubhouse and post game. Yeah. Well, is that going to have anything to do with it? You're going to like, no, it's like, okay, that's, that's an announcer's got nothing to do with how we're playing on the field last night. But it could be a distraction because people will start asking the players about that. So, yeah. So Astros and Orioles, I'm looking forward to being back here t- tonight so I can actually go watch home it. and watch it. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Christian Javier is, is on the mound tonight uh, for the Astros. And we know that he struggled. Jack Flaherty, who came over from, from the trade, you know, so he is pitching for the Orioles tonight. Very curious about how that is going to play out tonight and get the Astros again as an underdog. And again, they're almost worth a play. Again, when you look at the lineup, and again, Dusty's toyed with the lineup, but now, okay, you got Pena out of the two hole. Forget that experimentation. You got Alvarez back up there in the three spot, Tucker at the four spot. Now they've got last year's lineup. Okay. Basically got last year's lineup. You know, we got Bre- you know, Altuve, Bregman, Alvarez, um, you know, Tucker, you know, Abreu. And then, I mean, look how. I mean, other guys are playing. Jake Myers are playing, and and uh, you know Chaz McCormick, phenomenal. So just beware if you're going to bet against the Astros, and you get the Astros plus money on the road. Think about it. All right, uh, we'll talk a little more NFL when we come back. Stitch Duran, my man, going to be joining us, and we talk a little boxing specifically. We we'll talk about that Jake Paul Nate Diaz fight that he was involved with. Over the weekend. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician. Oh, for crying out loud. The, the doctor. doctor. You watch your language on the air. T.C. Martin. All right, back in town. And my next guest is back in town as well, too. And don't forget, we'll be back at the Westgate inside the world-famous Superbook on Friday. Make sure you come on by, tune in as we get ready for football. First full weekend of preseason football. Raiders in action against uh, San Francisco on Sunday. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Again, our good friends at the Westgate Las Vegas, the world-famous Superbook, and your chance to get involved in the Super Contest. You have till September the 9th to sign up for that. $1,000 entry fee. Pick five games each week against the spread in the NFL. And you could be taking home the big, big cash. So if you really got some cojones, five grand, winner take all in the Super Contest Gold. All right? Got all that happening as well, too. Get signed up until September 9th at the Superbook, the Westgate Las Vegas. All right. Continuing on here, my main man, Stitch Duran, is in the house here today. Uh, definitely has more frequent flyer miles than myself or anybody I know. He has been on the road, too. He's getting ready to go back on the road, so I appreciate him uh, coming in today uh, before he gets airborne again. They just got your name and picture and number at customs, don't they? They do. What's uh, up, Stitch? Hey, but first of all, uh, thanks for inviting me to the Raider uh, uh, San Francisco 49er game. <laughs> there, there it is. Oh, too bad. You're going to be out of town. I'll be holding your microphone. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's been, uh, I'm doing good. Thank God, you know. And uh, yeah, I got another uh, head off tomorrow morning. I did the Jake Paul. Uh, Nate Diaz fight over the week. Yeah. Actually, I was in Dallas the whole week and uh, uh, different experience. Been through a lot, done a lot. Uh, this one was a lot of fun. It's funny because you were in Dallas. I was in Dallas and well, you were like, like leaving and I was coming in because I was only there for, 
for two days yeah. and uh, you know came from New York. But I want you to tell people your travel schedule the last three weeks, not just travel, but the fights that you've been working just the last three weeks. Uh, well, see, the, now if you can the remember them all. Well, yeah, <laughs> the three weeks before, what was I at? I was somewhere. Uh, anyway, the last two weeks, though. Yeah, okay. Uh, so Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I went to Stockton to go work in Nate Diaz and kind of get everything uniformed. And, uh, and so that was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, I fly off to Shawnee, Oklahoma to do a top rank show. Uh, we, I get to my room at uh, 12 o'clock midnight, three o'clock. I have a lobby call to get to the airport, uh, to go to Houston. I have a four hour wait in Houston. Then I fly straight to Tokyo. I, I leave Sunday. I get there Monday, uh, afternoon. I do the, uh, Robesi fight at same night as Inoue right. on, on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday morning, I'm home. Uh, Thursday, I have to go to the ponds for the weigh-ins for Friday's fights. Mm. Friday, I work, uh, with five fighters Friday night and, and then I get invited to go to the, uh, Spence and Crawford fight. Right. And I have ringside seats, right? So I'm kind of wait, wait, Where's my invitation? You're talking about me and the Niners and the Raiders. Oh, come on. No, but let me tell you what I did. I see. So I'm sitting at ringside. Oh. Joy Joyce with me, the boxer. Yeah. And, you know, I'm there with uh, Floyd Sr. and all that. And to me, it's just too tight. And too loud, and I kind of excuse myself. I go to the back, I go to the lounge, and I sit down. I grab me some food and get me something to drink, and I watch it on TV with the the two chefs that are getting ready to have this food ready for the people. Yeah, uh, after the fights, that's how I spend it. And then uh, Tuesday, I go to Dallas uh, with Nate Diaz, yeah. and got home uh, yesterday. Yeah, and then tomorrow I head off to Phoenix for another top rank show, and uh, huh. so. Great stuff. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about Spence and Crawford. Uh, Pure Boxing Clinic put on by Terrence Crawford. Uh, you and I talked about that fight uh, before it. Okay, a couple weeks before it. So let's kind of get your mindset of what you were expecting to see, and then now recap that fight after you watched it. You know, while you're eating some great food in the comfort of a nice, comfortable <laughs> couch uh, back there at the T-Mobile Arena. Yeah, me with two chefs. I uh, love it. You know what? I love that story. And, and my prediction was originally, I work on numbers, right? That yeah. the possibility, the probability of using a cut man, based on their two styles, is slim. And then going the distance, I thought it would go the distance because they're both real, real good. Boy, but Earl Spence got taken and went to school. Mm. You know, uh, I don't think Crawford's ever been at his highest peak like this. Just, it was magnificent. But you know, uh, as I look at the game, I body language to me and I tell me everything. That's what I always focus myself on. When uh, Spence got dropped the first time, at that point, mentally and physically, he was done. Yep. You know, and things just turned for the worse after that. So, you know, I hope he's okay in the long term. You know, uh, he did need a cut, man. You know, mm. so that was, uh, I was totally off on that. Yeah. All right. So then we go to the Nate Diaz-Jake Paul fight. Now, this was a boxing match. Uh, really, uh, Nate Diaz, not a boxer. Uh, you know, obviously, fantastic MMA career. Uh, Jake Paul, I don't know. You know, we've talked before about Jake Paul. I understand what he's trying to do and what he's doing. He's being successful at it here. But... <laughs> Let's talk about this matchup. Okay. And when you, before you signed on with Nate with this, what was your, 
What's your inkling about all of this, okay? These YouTubers, everything else. I know you've been doing it a long time. And so I think you have a great perspective because you respect the sweet science like no one else. And again, you've been involved in the MMA as well, too. When you see this crossover stuff, how do you feel about it? Uh, this is like my fourth one. I know. So, so I applaud them. The, the first one that I did with, and to me, everything is marketing. I mean, boxing is one thing. That's two different avenues. On the marketing side, when... KSI fought Logan Paul. The zone was smart enough. I didn't know that these guys had 20 million followers and all that. Social media, I just wasn't into it. But for them to have had this fight, you know, if you get a small percentage of these socialite people that are following these guys, you got yourself a great show. They did good. They fought well. You know, they're, they're, they come into our world and they performed and they did, they did good. Um, Jake Paul, I gotta give him a lot of props, man, because, you know, he's done it. He continues to do it. You know, he just seems to be that one little edge above the guys that he brings in, uh, to fight. And they're big names. Anderson Silva, Tyrone Woodley, of course, uh, Nate Diaz. <clears throat> so I applaud him on that. Uh, this show here was promoted by Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. And I tell you what, TC, these guys, they did a tremendous job. Zach Rosenfield, that's, uh, that works on behalf of, uh, of Nate. These guys did it. it. It impressed me. I've been in a lot of shows and this was a fun show just because of the personalities that went with, with everything. But when it came down to business, they were top of the line. So, you know, That's yeah. Good. so yeah, I, I applaud them. I think, you know, that I don't, if it's good for, I know a lot of boxing people are kind of against them, but you got to give them props. Okay. So when you're training Nate and working with Nate and you like I said you went back to Stockton you know you know uh, a couple of weeks ahead of time what was your thoughts on on his boxing skills because this is the first time he's been in a quote unquote boxing match you know I put him in that same uh, category as a Tyson Fury where the only style is they have no style right mm -hmm. Nate Diaz of all I mean Tyson Fury comes from a boxing background of course but Nate Diaz his style is it, it's very very tough to read but I know for a fact that he was a sparring partner, him and his brother, uh, Nick with Andre Ward and other fighters. Okay. So at that capacity, I knew they could hold. There you go. What, what, right. what gave me the incentive to, or the encouragement to know that Nate Diaz, and I know could take shots and I know conditioning wise, uh, he's super, super good on that. And <clears throat> that's the way he performed. You know, he wasn't the greatest boxer in the world, but when he turned it on, he did some damage and condition wise, you know, got a little tired, you know, 10 mm -hmm. rounds. He first, it was supposed to be eight and he negotiated 10. Uh, I would have stayed at eight. Yeah. Know? Right. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a successful show. And during the press conference, well, number one, it was sold out. But the one that was hosting the press conference said that the UFC had a show the same day and this show, uh, outsold them by like 400%. Wow. That's insane. Right. Insane. So what was Nate's motivation to do this? And again, go out his, out of his comfort zone a little bit, you know, MMA fighter getting in the box ring. Was it purely money or, or did, has he always had this desire to be a boxer? And why didn't he do it sooner? Well, I think the timing was perfect right now. Mm -hmm. You know, he had finished his, his career with the UFC and, and of course everything is big at this point. Right. Uh, money, he's doing fine on money. Uh, I was talking to uh, his attorney, Sam, and, you know, he's really invested in, in gyms and houses, apartments. So he's done good with his money. But of course, money was a big incentive. Fighting Jake Paul had to be a bigger incentive. Now they're negotiating doing it again in an MMA cage. Okay. So, and, and Nate, you know, Jake Paul's throwing out $10 million. So how can you, not, how can you not do it? 
All right, so we've seen MMA guys go into boxing. How about a boxer who tries to go to MMA? I mean, we, we go way back. We've seen James Tony tried to do that, right? I mean, going way back. A lot of people forget that. And others, we haven't really seen success for either guy, you know what I'm saying, changing principles like that. So if this is in a cage... Well, who's the favorite and how's it, how's it play out? Well, well, Nate would be the favorite only because right. he's Nate, right? But <clears throat> the thing that res- I, I had so much respect for the, the Paul brothers, they're both high school wrestlers. Okay. And when I had my school kickboxing, guys that were wrestlers that would come and kickbox, great athletes. Yeah. So I knew they were athletes right from the get go. I, I would give the edge on, uh, to Nate on this one, but you know, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. So you think if this rematch happens, it's in a cage? Yes. And is is that something that's, that's planned right now? They were talking about it at the press conference and Jake Paul had mentioned it to him, you know, take the money, take the money, you know. (laughs) So I think they will. So we know that Jake Paul, he's taking this very, very seriously. Yes. Right. Okay. He's not there just to make the money in this and that. He wants to be a world champion and he thinks that he can, you know, kind of buck unconventional, uh, you know, ways and where guys start boxing at the age of six and eight and go through the amateurs and the golden gloves and work their way up that he can come in here and compete for a title. Your opinion on Jake Paul as a professional boxer. I think keep it at this standard, you know, at this level here with yeah. him. Uh, he's created a, a great marketing tool for himself and, and, you know, but once you get up, you know, he's a good B fighter at this point. But is he satisfied with that, uh, stitch or does he think that, you know, cause you know how like guys are. They think, Hey man, I, I, I can do this. I watch sure. these guys. I can do it. I can, I can be that. Does he think he's an A fighter? Yeah. Deep inside, probably not. You know, I okay. think he's a smart mark. Uh, mark, he's a marketing master. Yeah, that I know he is. So it's easy to talk world championship fights as you're fighting guys like Nate Diaz mm-hmm. and and these other guys, and and just use part of that uh, as your marketing tool. So yeah, I tell you, he's smart as a fox. I got to give him props. What what is his most comfortable weight in boxing? Do you think? Jake that, Paul. that I don't know. I'm not good at weights. <laughs> you know, I don't even know. Well, what, what was the, what, really what was the weight of this fight? I don't even say. I don't even pay attention to weights. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my job. <laughs> That's true. Right? But, but I think it was 185. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And that would be a comfortable weight for him. Okay. You know. So <laughs> okay. Stitched around in the house uh, in Dallas uh, for the Nate Diaz and Jake Paul fight. Now, uh, Paul knocked him down in the fifth round. But what what was your your take on that? Because it looked like it. Uh, I don't. Was it a glancing blow, or was it was he off balance? What was your take? Yeah, I I saw it on YouTube and uh, hit him on top of the head, and that's always you know they'll throw your equilibrium yeah. off in in a heartbeat, you know. But he got up and he was focused, and you know he survived, and uh, so you know that one that aspect, yeah, was kind of looked at it and said, well, is he going to continue? But he continued and came on strong. Mm-hmm. You know the the last three rounds, he you know if he would have did that early on, it would have made a big difference in the game uh, and let me add with jake paul one of the things that i really respect about him is he has a big voice right and his thing is fighter he's concerned about fighter safety and health and everything that goes with that so uh i told him at the end of the fight i say hey man i'd love to talk to you about you know getting together on that he says i'll call you so we'll see Okay. You know, we're, we're here to make this game a lot safer. Yeah, absolutely. It's, absolutely. It's long overdue. And, you know, I talked to you about this documentary I did 23 years ago that yeah. I never did nothing with it, but, uh, the young kid that helped me direct it passed away about four months ago. And I saw it after 20 years and everybody I interview are all Hall of Famers and they all talk about, uh, the issues that are hurting boxing then. And, and everybody had solutions. And as I looked at it, I said, wow, nothing's ever been done, you know, so I want to, 
I'll show it to you. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Uh, I want to reshoot some of it and get some current interviews with MMA fighters because it deals with dementia. It deals with, uh, uh, fighter, I mean, fighter safety, uh, geez, I mean, dehydration, uh, CTE, uh, contracts. It deals with everything and got Emmanuel Stewart, got Mills Lane, got, uh, Mike Tyson a week before he got his tattoo, Emmanuel Stewart, <laughs> Joe Cortez, Richard Steele, Mills Lane. I tell you, all these guys out that, wow. I can't let this sit. Yeah. I, I got to fight. We have to fight for the rights and protect these fighters because nothing's ever been done. Mm-hmm. So I might just call this new documentary Boxer's Nightmare 23 Years Later because nothing's ever happened. You're right. You're right. So, and uh, you're involved with this. Uh, your daughter's involved in this, too. She's a, a big advocate not only for the sport but for safety. Uh, I love her. She's fantastic. And that's uh, – that that's great that she has that passion and wants to carry this out with uh with you or dad. Yeah, and and let me let me give her a plug. Carla yeah. just I mean she does doing a tremendous job. She and and Rose Gracie, one of the Gracie daughters, mm-hmm. and this other guy Eric, that's an attorney, put together a proposal for the Association of Boxing Commissions, and they had their conventions here this week to bring in ten retired fighters to help them make decisions that pertain to fighters. And they accomplished that. So the ABC now has 10 retired fighters making decisions. Actually, nine of them. They wanted my daughter, Carla, even though she's not a fighter, to be part of it. Yeah. And so she, you got nine fighters and uh, and a daughter of a cut man that are participating <laughs> in that. So the WBC has accepted it. Uh, yeah. Now, Suleiman wants her to help him set things up for yeah. fighter safety. Daughter of the Hall of Fame cut man. <laughs> the best Hall of Fame cut man ever. I'm saying that. That's, <laughs> that's fact, Jack. <laughs> Clarissa Shields signed a multi-year deal with PFL. I right? just got news of that. Thoughts on Clarissa Shields and in, in, in PFL? Well, you know, PFL, actually, I just got a call today that they're doing a show in Paris, France, September 30th, and they want me to go. So I gave them my fees. Uh, we'll see if we can go. Uh, Clarissa Shields, <laughs> I, uh, you know, and... and MMA, you have to be in it, be in it for a long time. There's yeah. so many different tools that you could use. And she comes from a boxing world. Right. So you're not, you know, and that's the thing. A lot of boxers, when they uh, went into MMA, they thought, well, I'll knock the guy out. Well, in MMA, you could get dropped and you don't take an eight count like you do in boxing. Right. You get up, you grab you and all that. So it might be a little too dangerous for her. It might. Yeah. Again, here we go. We're talking about, you know, boxers, whether it's male or female, you know, crossing over yeah. into something that, you know, they're not really proficient at. And I mean, you've been around this game both sides for a long yeah. time. What is the more difficult move to go from mixed martial arts to becoming a boxer or the reverse boxer to MMA stuff? Yeah, oh, it would be a boxer to go to MMA. And you're talking about James Tony, Randy Couture. I was there. Right on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I ran it wasn't pretty. Uh, he, Randy took him down in a heartbeat, but yeah. that's the point. You know, if they don't know, you know, and, and we always say in MMA, uh, well, kickbox, you have eight, 12 tools. In boxing, you only have two. Right. You know, so there's a big disparity there. Yeah. Wow. All right. Great stuff. Uh, Stitch Duran. All right. So what's, uh, what's coming up next here, man? So again, you've got, uh, we've got some more. You know, fights coming up, but man, it has been fantastic going back to this spring and what we've seen, you know, so far in this summer with big fights, especially here in Vegas. Uh, you know, it's, it's been fun. And, you know, I just thank top rank for bringing me and Mike Bazu in his house cutman because they're a great organization mm-hmm. and they do a lot of fights. And, you know, I do a lot of work. You know, I mean, working five fights, wrapping five high fighters hands in one night is 
normal nowadays. But that's something I did when I was with the UFC. It's what I did with Nate Diaz and his team. Right. I worked five fights, wrapped five fighters' hands, and, mm. you know. So, and, and, and it's good, TC, because they bring professional people to help these young guys yes. that, that uh, are just getting going. And I treat them like a world champ because they deserve to be treated that way. Right. You know, you've known Nate Diaz for a long, long yeah. time. And, you know, we've seen, you know, his personality come out. And that's talk a little bit about, uh, did, did, uh, what was his personality like leading up to this fight? Because again, you know, when you're talking about, you know, uh, press conferences leading up the fight, I mean, you love those type of guys and he is definitely one of those characters. Did we see any of that leading up to this? Oh God, that's what made this whole trip so much fun, bro. <laughs> I, I tell you, I, I kept telling Nate, Nate, I just love you, man. You're as crazy as could be and all that. So, so he has his own bus and Nate Diaz, a big old bus. So he brought like 20 of his guys and, and they're all fighters, right? Yeah. And so they're on the bus and we go in SUVs, but he's looking at these messages and he says, Jake Paul is talking about, me and my cholo friends, he says, half the friends I have are white, yeah. and the other half that are Mexicans don't speak Spanish, right? You know? <laughs> so, oh my God, I started laughing. I said, like, what a comeback. But his comebacks are real funny, yeah. and they're real good. You know, they're just, Nate uses the F-bomb like a, you know, like we drink water. Yeah. <laughs> Often. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh my, I can imagine what the, it was, being it was, on the road it was, would be like with him. Yeah. It was fun, TC, you know, and he'll come and he'll show you the love. He'll come and grab me and, mm -hmm. you know, show me the love and all that. And, but he knows, you know, that I'm there to protect him. And, mm -hmm. and, and the thing about it, God, I saw BJ Penn was there, uh, Rampage, Anthony, uh, 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 who else was there? Gilbert Melendez, uh, Jake Shields, Anthony Pettis, Francis and Gungno. Uh, Jack Congo. It was like a big family reunion, you know. Uh, the, the only Yancy guy Mer in his camp that speaks Spanish is right here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> literally, but you're right. You're right. But but you know what? In my outfit now, I, I made a real nice outfit, and there I represented three things: the 209, which we Beautiful. grew up in, yep. right? Uh, Planada, my hometown, yeah. and then the United Farm Worker patch. Oh, and, nice. uh, so that was, uh, that was our way of giving back. And I told Nate, you know, Nate, uh, we're representing the Latinos uh, yes. from, uh, from California. And, uh, so sure enough, man, but look at that. Oh, this is sweet. Yeah. This is sweet. Yeah, See, that's one thing with, with, uh, Stitch's, uh, ring jackets and the clothing. It's, it's always top notch, my friend. Yeah. Top notch. It doesn't matter if it's an MMA or boxing world championship fight. Or if it's on the big screen in the theaters, I I love what you were wearing in Creed. Oh, you oh. know what? That and and that was awesome because I'm the only one that had my I'm the only one that had my name on it I on know. my outfit. I know. And I'm the only one that had Creed on their back. Yeah. You know, Michael B. Jordan just you know he always went beyond the call. And and uh, Keenan Coogler told me at the premiere. He says we gave you a lot of what they call quote unquote center shots. Yes, they did. So you saw me a lot. Yeah. And uh, you know that was awesome. I that was know. nice. I think it's a respect factor. Absolutely, it is. It yeah. makes you feel good, and yeah. you're part of that family. I mean, yes. oh, that's again, man. That's you know, you being in, in the corner or making that ring walk in a world championship fight yeah. is one thing, but then again, to have those relationships and be on the big screen and knowing those guys are really tapping into you, you know, yeah. for your knowledge and your reputation. I mean, that means a lot. Yeah, I mean, oh, it does. It's yeah. it it's yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and you know, to the point where Michael is hugging me and tells me he loves me. 
You know, so he exactly. knows I bring quality to the game, and uh, he knows I'm there to take you, care and of him. Seriously, I'm mean, just going to say it from a guy who just loves watching, you know, sports movies, especially boxing movies. It just brings the realism, the credibility to it, and I love that. And when I see you in there, I mean, it's it's awesome. Uh, are we going to have a Creed Four? They're working on that now. But you know, it's funny, TC. Let me tell you, people now are stopping me for Creed <laughs> instead of boxing. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm walking in sure. Dallas, and this kid yells out, Creed! <laughs> it's never happened before. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of a mind blower. <laughs> that is good, man. That is good. I know. I'm just wondering, you know, where they can take it, you know, with, if there's a four, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you can divulge anything or do you, if you know, but okay. Cause you know, he's basically came out of retirement in the last one, yeah. you know, so where, where does he take it from here? You know, that, that's, that's where the questions come in. You know, yeah. Jonathan Majors, does he stay with it? I know that they're developing his daughter, uh, to maybe highlight her oh, in the okay. next one. Okay. But, but then also, if you notice Drago was in it. Yes. The young Drago. Yeah. Now they're going to do a spinoff on Drago. Yeah. You know, so there it, is, man. it will continue, bro. Yeah. I love know? it. <laughs> yeah. Stitch. Too. Appreciate you coming in today, man. Appreciate the friendship as always. It's fantastic, man. You're one of the best and you know it and uh, love having you, man. It's always a pleasure, man. Anytime. You got it. He is Jacob Stitch Duran, uh, the Hall of Fame cut man. And uh, you can catch him on big screens and catch him in the movies as we've talked about so many times for many, many years. And again, uh, in a corner on ESPN or ESPN Plus on a top ranked show near you anytime. All right. I want to thank Houston Nutt for joining us today and uh, talking the craziness of college athletics and the realignment with the Pac-12 and everything else in the Big Ten. Uh, you miss any part of the shows, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Great to be back here after about a week off. And we'll be here oh for about the next uh, two weeks before we go back on the road again. But uh, appreciate that. And again, of course, Numchuck and my man, Stitch Duran, for being in the house today. All right? TCMartinShow.com, that's where you go. We're back at it again tomorrow as we continue on. More nonstop sports talk. We reconvene tomorrow at 2. Oh, yeah.